Very good morning to you. My name is Neil. I'm married to the to the wonderful Kate. It's very, very good to see you all here this morning. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn me to Luke chapter 14? We'll start in verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox, that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, would you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When uh, one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This morning we're carrying on our series, uh, we've, been, we've called it Living Out Loud. Uh, we're looking really at the way that Jesus interacted with the people around him so that we can see uh, it, what we can glean, if anything, from him as to how we might better reflect the nature of God to those around us. One of the things that we've seen over these past few weeks is that Jesus pretty much takes every opportunity he has to teach these really important lessons in the conversations that he has with all the people around him. He's constantly you know, putting in a parable here and something else there. I just want to pull out a couple of things you'll be glad to hear from this passage that possibly the Lord would have us reflect on this morning. And those two things are kindness and the kingdom. Uh, kindness in the way that we are to be with one another. And uh, secondly, how these verses tell us something of what the kingdom of God is like. And of course, there are many other things that you could pull out from this passage. So I'd encourage you, uh, take some time this week just get some time to be quiet and sit in the presence of God, open the scriptures, have a look at this passage again and see what the Spirit of God might want to say to you specifically. But the first thing I want us to look at this morning is kindness. Um, and what it is that this text might actually be saying to us 
about how we go about our day-to-day -day lives. Have a look at verses um, one to four. On Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. But one of the things that's going on here, as is often the case, you see it right throughout the Gospels, is once again the Pharisees are trying to test Jesus. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to trick him. And they're wanting to see how he's going to behave, how he's going to conduct himself, and how he's going to respond to this sick man that's just been thrown and presented before him, and whether he's going to break God's law and God's laws in the process. And really what they're trying to see is whether Jesus is going to violate the Sabbath laws and essentially do the work of healing on a day you know, when any kind of work was strictly prohibited. Anyway, Jesus has got their number and he's aware that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are around him. He knows that they're watching him carefully. And so he starts, as he always does, by asking them a question. And he just simply says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And of course, they're a bit flummoxed. And so there's no answer to the question. They don't know what to say. And so Jesus heals the man and sends him on his way. Uh, but Jesus is aware that they are still judging him. Uh, and so he asks them another question in, chapter, in, in Luke 14, verse 5. He says, okay, well, then he asks them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And here we're kind of getting to the heart, if you like, you know, not only of how Jesus interacted with the people around him, but also we're getting an insight, I think, into how we are to conduct ourselves and interact with the people that we encounter. And once again, it's all steeped in mercy and grace and kindness and compassion and love. When Jesus talks about an ox falling into a well, he's actually referring to um, the law of Moses. He's quoting from a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 4. And, and in Deuteronomy, God's people are forbidden. They're expressly forbidden to ignore the plight of an animal or the loss of an animal. They're, they're being told that they need to not ignore the plight of anyone or anything including animals, this is important, you know, that are suffering or find themselves in a difficult situation or find themselves in a literal or metaphorical well. And in such circumstances, the suggestion, this is back in Deuteronomy, but the suggestion is that all the other requirements of the law fall into kind of second place to the need to rescue and to save that which is lost. No exceptions are made even if this happens on a Sabbath. So this kind of law, this you know, being kind and rescuing, trumps all these other laws. The text in Deuteronomy is insistent. It says, you shall not, this is talking about animals, remember this, you shall not ignore them. You shall take them back. You shall bring it. You shall help. It's very, very emphatic. God's mercy, God's grace, God's kindness, compassion, and love extends uh, not only to our fellow humans, but also to the animals, to those animals around us. And it, it tells us a lot, I think, about how we should treat 
not just the animals around us, but how we should be treating one another. If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? Of course. Of course. You know, no one faced with such a situation would give it like a moment's thought. All you would do, all everyone would do is everything in their power to save and rescue whatever it was that's fallen in, a child, an ox, whatever it could be. No, no law, no code of conduct, nothing would get in the way of reaching out and pulling, in this case, maybe, you know, the example, a child to safety. You wouldn't start looking up the laws and the regulations. You'd just do whatever needed to be done. Mercy always takes precedence over the law, even the laws of Sabbath rest. As James 2 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is what we see in Jesus' response to the man who was brought before him who was sick. Even though it was the Sabbath, Jesus doesn't question him. He doesn't challenge him. He doesn't try and establish whether the sickness was a result of the man's own actions. He doesn't, he doesn't kind of interrogate him. He just takes hold of the man, heals him, and sends him on his way. Simple kindness. And that, I think, is how we are to be with those around us. We are simply called to be kind. We are not being asked to pass judgment on those we meet. We are not being asked to invoke the law or to hide behind some religious or legal facade. We're not being asked to determine who might be deserving of mercy or grace or kindness or compassion. We're just being asked to be kind to everyone, irrespective of how they ended up in their well in the first place. That's none of our business. Let's just help get them out of their well. We're just being asked to be kind. The rigid, inflexible, judgmental approach, that's kind of how the Pharisees sort of sought to apply God's law. Rather than seeing that God's law was designed to be about love for God and love for one another. It was all about justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And unsurprisingly, again, Jesus' question leaves his hearers absolutely silent. His simple argument leaves them with nothing to say. And so with the Sabbath discussion briefly uh, resolved, you know, for the moment at least, Jesus turns his attention really, I think, onto the nature, something of the nature of the kingdom of God. And um, here you've got people arriving for their feast, and Jesus watches how the guests conduct themselves again. And this time he tells a parable about a wedding feast, and uh, these guests uh, choose where they're sitting at the table. And what happens is they end up getting moved by the host and find themselves either embarrassed uh, or honoured, depending on which way they'd chosen to go. And, you know, imagine you're the host or the guest at this party. You know, this simple story would have probably caused some kind of discomfort in the minds of the people that are there. It's like, ouch, he saw me. I kind of tried to get, like, to the top table. I think I was supposed to be sitting on the children's table near the loos, but um, never mind. And it's because the reason they're embarrassed is because it's exactly what's happening at that very moment as they're all just taking their seats at the table. And 
You know, while this parable about is, again, how we choose to conduct ourselves, I think it's also about a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. You see it in verse 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the hospitality and the warmth of the welcome of the kingdom of God. And this time, Jesus' words are addressed to his host. Poor chap. Uh, this is Jesus, this is verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, which is kind of, by the way, what you're doing right now, but anyway, uh, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you, invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So when you give a dinner or a banquet or a luncheon or whatever, which is exactly what the host is doing, Jesus says, don't invite your friends. Don't invite this lot. Uh, instead, when you throw a party, when you give a, a luncheon, when you have a banquet or a feast or whatever it is, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. Now, Whilst I don't believe Jesus is saying that we should never sit down to eat with our friends, our families, tempting as that may be, uh, you know, our neighbours or people who are rich, you know, we shouldn't be sort of saying, well, how wealthy are you? I'm not sure I can invite you over. Uh, what I do think he's, is he's getting at something about the meaning of hospitality and the welcome of the kingdom of God. And again, I think it's tied to mercy kindness, compassion, grace, and love, and that our homes and our tables are to be welcome spaces, not only for those we already know and love, not just for those who are part of our social circle, not just those who are part of a social circle that we are trying to get into, rather we're to be also hospitable to those who are in need. Essentially, those who've got no possibility of paying us back. It's almost as if Jesus looks around the room and he sees that the poor and the needy are conspicuously absent. And being Jesus, he makes his thoughts known in a pretty direct way. Uh, this is probably the point at which the host is most likely wondering whether it was such a good idea to invite Jesus after all. And I think Jesus is teaching him, the host, and us that we're to go above and beyond what might be our natural instincts or preferences. Mercy is to be the hallmark uh, in the way that we live our lives. And mercy is to govern our social calendar. Hospitality literally means loving strangers. Hebrews uh, chapter 13 in verse 1 says this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves are suffering. Jesus is challenging his host and everyone listening, and indeed us, you know, reading this passage some 2,000 years later, to give themselves, for us to give ourselves to the true exercise of hospitality. And this is right um, at the very heart of the Old Testament law. 
As God delivers his people from slavery, what he's doing is he's showing them mercy. He's showing mercy to them in their time of need. And it's this mercy that God shows to Israel that underpins all of the laws that he gives them about their relationships with the people around them. And right throughout the Old Testament, you just see time after time again, these innumerable commandments about imitating God by showing his kindness and his mercy and his compassion and his love to the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the alien. And one of the things that we see is that there are no caveats to these laws about whether the poor are the deserving poor, whatever that may mean. Whether a person was poor because of tragedy or because of sin or because of laziness or whatever, isn't up for debate. The fundamental issue, just as it was with the ox or the child in the well, is for each one of us to remember the undeserved kindness, mercy, and grace that God has shown us. And therefore, we are to go and do likewise and be merciful, kind, generous, uh, and loving to anyone in need. But the heart of these laws is the call to imitate the character of God and to remember his mercy in redeeming his people. God is the host who invites everyone to his table. And by definition, every single one of us is poor and undeserving and in need of his mercy and love. Care for the needy and being hospitable to those whose lives are troubled Irrespective of what we may think, these things are right at the very heart, the foundation of the law of God. And any true understanding, you know, of his kindness to his people. And Jesus' words, well, um, they probably made for pretty uncomfortable listening, you know, to his host and to all the other Pharisees present. They're, they are, in fact, just a pretty straightforward exposition of the commandments of Old Testament law. And these same qualities to be generous to those in need, they remain key characteristics and hallmarks of the kingdom of God today. We are called to imitate the generous and gracious character of God. And we're to remember our own story of redemption, the journey that we have been on, because the truth is, Every single one of us has found ourselves stuck down a well. And Christ has loved us and met us in our moment of need. And all he asks is that we lift our eyes and show a little of that love that we have received to those around us. So uh, we have kindness and we have something of a glimpse into the nature of the kingdom of God. And just to end with, I want to have a look at some verses from Romans chapter 2. This is Romans chapter 2, starting in verse uh, 1. It says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. 
Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to bring you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to bring you to repentance. And it's that last verse I just want us really to carry with us as we go out from here. God's kindness leads us to repentance. And as each one of us has experienced the kindness of God demonstrated to us in and through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we'll know um, firsthand it was kindness not criticism, not judgment, not condemnation, but kindness that led us and brought us to faith and repentance. The kindness that caused God to give of his only son to rescue each one of us from whatever well it was that we had fallen into. And so as we go out from here, reflecting the kindness, the grace, and the compassion of mercy, that God has shown to us. That's really our mandate. Let us be a people who reflect to others that same kindness, grace, compassion, and mercy that's been shown to us. Let's be sure to be showing that same kindness that we received that brought us to repentance to the people we meet during the course of the week. Uh, why don't you stand? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper.